All right, Alice, um, welcome to the podcast. For those who don't know Alice, Alice is the Senior Director of Marketing at Honey. Um, Honey is the coupon app that recently just got bought up by PayPal for $4 billion. And Alice has been at Honey um, since the beginning. So before um, I say anything else, Alice, can you give us a little deeper background about yourself? Yeah, like uh, like you said, I currently lead the media team at Honey. Um, I was an early employee there. Um, I think I was when I joined, it was 15 to 20 people about four years ago. I actually just had my four-year anniversary at Honey. Actually, it's today. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, it's crazy how that time flew by. Um, but I kind of had a weird path to getting to where I am today. Um, before Honey, I was actually in the middle of studying for the GMAT, trying to get my MBA, um, because before that, I had my own clothing line um, with my cousin. <laughs> yeah, so before my Honey adventure, um, I was pretty much just a serial entrepreneur. I had, um, I just kept starting businesses, websites since I was a young kid. Um, so when I got to UCLA, um, I tried my hand at PR because coming from a small town, I really thought that was the cool thing to do and be in Hollywood and quickly learned that definitely not what I was expecting. Um, got out of that super quickly um, and then pivoted to fashion um, where I eventually, um, yeah, did my own clothing line for about three years. And um, having a creative background, I think I always thought that was the right path for me. Um, but as we got deeper into the business, um, I quickly realized that, you know, I did that straight out of college. Like, is this what I'm gonna do forever? <laughs> um, and I, I realized I was kind of missing that, that quantitative side to the business, um, that connection to being at the forefront of, of technology. I felt like there was a world I was missing out on. So um, yeah, I, I kind of thought to make the pivot to tech since I was essentially a clothing designer at the time. I was running all of my own media, but on paper, you know, my resume didn't look so great for media. Um, so yeah, I kind of thought I had to get my MBA, um, but ended up meeting the founder of Honey, George um, and Ryan. Um, and George basically convinced me that um, I didn't need an MBA, I should just go work for him. So we kind of both took that leap of faith on each other. And yeah, here I am today. Oh, wow. So like when you got into Honey, did you know what your role was going to be or how was that whole process? Or... Um, yeah. So, I mean, I had expressed to George that I really wanted to take media um, and digital marketing seriously. I have, I've done it before. I did it for all my own companies, uh, but I wanted to practice it at a much larger scale and they had millions to spend that, you know, my own business didn't. Um, so there's just so many different lessons you can learn once you're buying media on that scale. Um, but you know, they also said you're a kid. So, I mean, I, I think what they actually ended up having to do was it took them like a month to give me um, my offer because the two co-founders were essentially bickering over like whether to bring me on or not because George was like, well, they weren't hiring essentially for a, for a marketer or if they were, um, the two co-founders were actually doing the marketing themselves. And so they were like, well, no, we need like super senior person to come in here that has like 20 years experience. Um, but I think they like the entrepreneurial background that I had and decided to take that chance. 
Um, so they said, why don't you try your hand at marketing? There, there, I was the first marketer. There was no one else on that team. Um, and we'll just see where it goes from there. Um, so I think it just kind of developed as the company grew. Interesting. And then did your experience from the clothing uh, brand uh, help you uh, when you came on? And exactly what would like, can you give more insight up on the clothing brand as well? Yeah, um, it helped me so much more than I actually ever expected. I, I really thought that like, wow, I spent years building this brand. I'm going to have to put all of those, you know, learnings and experience that I built in the fashion industry aside to make this pivot in my career. And I was actually shocked to find that as I started my job at Honey, I was, I had accumulated so much business knowledge um, that I just naturally worked into um, just every facet of my just every, you know every interaction I had whether with you know vendors or with peers colleagues or how to kind of structure um, how to structure partnerships with external companies and agencies um, so yeah it was definitely a really great learning experience I actually don't think I would have really found the success that I did at Honey if I didn't have the clothing line experience. Got it. And then, so you come into Honey and you're put into this position of like now managing these millions of dollars. Honey's still quite young. Can you describe your initial position um, at Honey? Like what, what the initial roles were and things that you did? Yeah, so it was all Facebook back then. So it was okay. essentially like- what, what year is this, by the way? This was- 2014 beginning of 2014 yeah um i think we had maybe 700,000 users at the time today we have over 20 million four years later um so yeah when i started that they, they definitely had potential but you know it's just a few of us in a room and i was like i don't know what this is gonna go but i really really was impressed with the co-founders i was like okay i've really never worked for too many people in my life i always thought i wouldn't be that person i thought i would always have my own companies um, I tend to get restless and bored quickly. But when I met the co-founders, I was like, okay, I can get behind their vision. I can get behind these two co-founders. Like they're the type of people I want to learn from. Um, and so when I started, it was, they were just like, we've just been doing Facebook ads and we were literally like ripping off random Google images. And it was just, just the craziest ads you've ever seen. I was just like, oh my God. And um, so they, yeah, they, they just pretty much handed me the account and was just like, okay, spend, you know, half a million dollars or something um, every month. And I was like, oh my God, at the time to me, it seemed like a yeah. lot. Um, yeah. Now I'm just like, that's so little. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I just kind of, I felt like I was building the plane on the way down. Um, and looking back, I think that we really lucked out that I had a creative background. So they weren't hiring for that. It was essentially media. Um, but when I joined, we didn't have a creative department. So I was like, wait, where are the ads? And they're like, well, do the marketing and the ads. And I was like, oh my God. So I just happened to know like Photoshop and I had some copywriting experience, like doing my own blogs for the clothing company for so long. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that if I didn't have all the creative like, content creating experience, like that would have gone downhill really fast. Yeah. And with that, like that played a pivotal role, pivotal role, right? Like knowing how to do the content properly with the ads. It's because um, it wasn't so much about like getting all the targeting and everything, right? Or was it? Or was it just the content that really crushed it for you guys um, for the initial honey ads that you guys made? Yeah. So 
As I started to grow the media portfolio and building out the team, learning more about the media side of things, because I would say most of my background then was more heavier on the creative side. Um, on the media side, it was just like, you know, what I had learned. I would say I was like very amateur at the time. Um, and I think I quickly realized that you have to start with the technology and understanding the media channels first. Um, and as we try to hire out the team, and I, I realized this is quickly an issue where um, it was very difficult to find creative content producers who understood performance. And I realized the norm is really to start, most people would start with their product and um, their target demographic. And, and that's a good place to start. Well, let's say I have um, like the clothing company and my target demographic are millennial females. Usually you would start thinking like, okay, what kind of content or messaging um, would appeal to this person? But I realized what was the most efficient and effective way of tackling creative concepting um, was first by starting but first by dissecting the media channels on which your ads were going to run. And I would say I usually look at two components of each channel. Um, the first one being like, how are you buying? Is it by impressions or is it by clicks? And the second one would be, um, what are the targeting capabilities on any given channel? And how are those targeting capabilities derived on that channel? Um, so like to give you an example, let's say, I'm buying native ads on a publisher like Glamour.com or something for a makeup brand. Um, if you're buying by impressions like CPM, right? And let's say you're, you have an article or something about your brand that's being featured on the homepage. Like anytime that homepage at Glamour.com is loaded and you're getting impression, like you pay. So if I'm paying for every impression anyway, I want to get as many clicks as possible into my ad, right? Because I'm paying for it anyway. And so when I know I'm paying by impression, um, then I know that I will tailor my imagery, my headlines um, to be, I would say more clicky, but like um, appeal to a broader audience. So I'm just like casting a wider net, having more mass appeal. Um, and so that KPI that I'm really optimizing for is click through rate. As opposed to like by click. So if I'm paying for every click, right, then I like scale down um, the like how specific my copy is because I'm trying to get that qualified um, customer. Yeah. And then when you, like, so, so you have brought on board, you're, you're running essentially the team. First it is, it's just you being the team and then you're scaling this up and they're giving you these, you know, what seems to you is massive budgets. I mean, they're still quite big, you know, they're giving you half a million dollars to spend and whatnot. Um, what were your learnings from like not spending, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars to spending millions of dollars? Um, yeah, so I think first when I started, like just like the few hundred thousand dollars to me, like seemed insane, but I quickly realized that like if you had the right creatives, they, it was just very obvious, like they would take off overnight. Mm -hmm. um, and as we increased our budget, it was a matter of keeping like your legacy and evergreen content that were strong performers alive and maintaining um, their shelf life while 
throwing tons of new ads into testing. So it was kind of this delicate balance that you had to strike between um, just like your foundational ads that were always on that you could rely on and just setting up a campaign structure and system in which you can nurture those ads and keep refreshing them and keep expanding audiences really aggressively. Cause I think that's something I, a lot of people don't do enough of is just like they have had a good ad and they have like a campaign structure up that they feel good about and they're like, okay, great. And then it died and they're like, oh crap, what's next? So I think it was really all about building that foundation in which you're just like really, really aggressively expanding your audiences um, relentlessly on top of um, your new campaigns in which you're testing. Yeah, I actually remember, I think this is like two or three years ago, I kept getting hit with this. It was a box, it was an Amazon box laying on a door. Oh yeah. It was a honey ad, and I was like, this seems so simple, but it's like, it probably got A-B tested the crap out of, and, uh, you know, performed so well. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, that just kind of, I think we just, the challenge with our, at Honey, it was just like, it's a software company, so it's not like I have some sexy product I can just, like, take photos of. It's just, like, this kind of almost invisible tool um, that you can use. So we were just trying to think of ways on how to have how to create that cognitive connection with the user. Um, and then we just kind of like came to the idea of just like, oh, why don't we just like use boxes of well-known brands and obviously yeah. Amazon. Cause, Cause I thought that was genius. Cause like every time you see a box, you're like, what's in it, right? Um, so I thought that was a pretty interesting ad. And then going from there and then, so, you know, you guys are crushing it on Facebook. How, how was the journey from, you know, how, how do you decide whether to put more money into a specific channel that's already working or um, diversify and try other channels? Um, I think once, or, once you test into a channel, you quickly learn um, about the threshold, like how much you can actually, how much volume you can actually find on that channel. Mm -hmm. So I think uh, most channels aren't um, as m massive and sophisticated as like Google or Facebook. So you just quickly tap out and then you kind of learn your formula there. Um, you learn what, content works well there, how much you should be spending a day, um, what CPUs you could be expecting, and then as you're tracking that user health, which will, you know, the data will take some time to come in. Um, I would say like, I'm always on the lookout for new channels, just always. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's great. Um, have you seen anything um, recently performing well for you that's uh, not Facebook? Um, yes, a lot, actually. Um, well, obviously, you know, Google, um, YouTube has been really great for us, um, which initially was surprising because not many people use TrueView um, for DR performance. It's usually a brand play. Um, and yeah, we've also seen a lot of success on native channels like Taboola, Outbrain. Um, I feel like those are underutilized. <laughs> those can be challenging. Um, since their targeting capabilities are not nearly as sophisticated as like a Facebook or Google. So you do have to be a lot more manual there and understand um, the channel uh, much more intimately. Um, and yeah, I mean, obviously in today's atmosphere too, like things are constantly changing. A lot of brands are pulling out, so that does affect um, like cost, uh, which is advantageous to us today. Yeah. And like, do you give each channel, like, um, is, is it like the same playbook you guys are using? Like, hey, we'll test this much. And if we get this much return, we'll move forward with it. Or are you looking at each platform uniquely and, you know, giving its own um, threshold for success? 
Yeah, so we typically optimize to payback um, like many brands do, so just ROI. Um, so if I say, you know, I want to be paid back within a year for all my channels, um, that's, that's usually how we do it. And every channel brings in a different cohort. Uh, they all monetize differently. So we adjust those CPA goals accordingly. Yeah, no, that's interesting because with Honey, it's, since it's an online browser, it's, it's much different than mostly, uh, you know, whether it's uh, a product or an app nowadays that people are trying to lead traffic to. Have you seen any difference in terms of uh, convincing somebody to download um, a Google Chrome extension? Um, when it comes to marketing? Um, just in today's atmosphere with what's yeah. happening? Um, yeah, I mean, we're just getting a lot more eyeballs. Like more people are at home. They are in front of their laptops more. Um, I mean, what has been interesting is just kind of a shift in user behavior that we've been seeing. Like for instance, like if you're, um, you know, optimizing for a desktop install, we usually saw that weekdays perform better, right? Because people are secretly online shopping at work. Um, but on the weekends, they're out, they're doing stuff. Now we're kind of seeing the opposite where, um, you know, like a, a lot more people are just kind of browsing, well, every day in general. Um, but we, we're now seeing like a lot of people are more online on the weekends um, or vice versa. So it, it just, a lot has changed on every channel and you just have to adapt quickly. Yeah. Any, um, any learnings from the initial growth uh, when you scaled the, you know, the team from it just being you to uh, um, running all these multitude of channels? Uh, yeah, I, I think scaling the team was maybe the hardest part. Um, of my time at Honey. Surprisingly, I always thought it'd be like the media or coming up with the next uh, new creative concept. But I think because the team started with just me in the beginning, um, when we started to build out the team, I realized that I was a bottleneck essentially. Um, but stepping away from my day-to-day -to, -day to mentor and teach and build a team also meant that our account suffered. So it was just really, um, it just tormented me, like trying to decide like what to do because I knew it wasn't sustainable what I was doing and how quickly the company was growing. Um, so I think I just had to make peace at, with it at some point. And like, you know, like it was a stressful time for me and the co-founders and everyone else in which, you know, I said, we have to, I just have to be okay that the accounts might not be great for like a month or two. Well, I really focused on building out the team and training up the team. Um, so yeah, just that transition was super tough. Would you just try to find like smart people or what, like, let's say you're activating a channel like Snapchat and you're like, let me go find a young person that's really crushing it on Snapchat ads. How, like what was the thought process with uh, the team in that sense? Yeah, I think it changes with the stages of the company. So right in the be very beginning when it was just me, I wanted to find, um, yeah, just smart people who are entrepreneurial maybe and adapted quickly, eager to learn. And they understood that like creative was a means to an end also. Like they wanted to learn about performance. They didn't get stuck on any um, philosophies that they already had in mind per se. Like they were more moldable and they were hungry. Um, so I kind of hired what I called like hybrid marketers in which they understood some creative and they were open to whatever channels that we needed. 
Um, and then as the team grew and the company grew, then we kind of moved on to finding specialists, um, people who had specialized in a specific channel or an area for a very long time, maybe at an agency for a while. Um, so that was a different kind of hire. Um, and then I think as we continue to grow, we just trend more and more in that direction and um, find people who specialize. Got it. Was there any, um, any learnings in terms of hiring like, um, or, or growing your, your team that you felt uh, that you wish you would have changed or um, mm. you, you, wish you would have known before doing it? Yeah, I, I think where we struggled the most was like, creative was really difficult to hire for um, before we had like our own like broken out creative team, which we have today. But back mm -hmm. then it was all kind of like a mix. Yeah. And um, it's something that's difficult, I think more difficult to interview for um, because you also can't assess someone's you know, speed of creating and how fast they adapt to new channel. You don't know how long they took or what help they had maybe on a portfolio. Um, so I think that's actually where we had the most trouble with media or maybe that just because I understand media and that was like my department, but like media seemed a lot more easy to build out in terms of hiring okay. and training. Um, it still it has to be a very specific type of person, but I feel like when you find that person, it's, um, they're just super focused on media. That's all they want to do. Um, yeah. with creative, you get, you know, more diverse, um, personalities, backgrounds, um, and then, um, trying to get them to create for performance can be, can be tricky. Um, I don't know if there's anything I regret per se. I think it's just like, it's, I think every company deals with these challenges. So it's just a constant learning experience. Yeah, and no, I completely agree with you there because like the creative for performance is like completely different than like just saying, hey, I need a creative person. Um, yeah, uh, we've yeah. been through yeah. that. So like, and it's weird because like the randomest types of people might be good at it, even though they have no experience in making creative for performance ends. Yeah, no, exactly. That's when I realized, realized like it's not even people like LinkedIn, LinkedIn's or like resumes weren't even that reliable because if you truly study like design for instance you're not the one i'm going to do performance creative like making display banners all day in 50 million sizes it's really a person that's like gets a high from hitting the numbers yeah but i feel like that person's more of a marketer you know yeah, yeah. absolutely and now like since you guys you know honey's a very well-known brand now um how, how do you balance like branding per se with um ROI driven metrics for the company? Or is everything, um, or all the marketing budgets directly just ROI? Um, we're very performance heavy. So that's definitely the priority. Um, but we have spent the last couple of years really trying to build out that brand voice, um, who Honey is um, and what our core messaging is. I think that's something we're working on and probably with our new partnership with PayPal um, that will be more developed. Yeah. It, yes, it can be tricky to balance, um, mostly because, you know, these, it's just a bunch of different departments working together with different goals and objectives. Um, but I think at the end of the day, it's, you can definitely find that, that balance. Everything is performance, um, but there's, I think there's a way to have like one concrete message. It's just packaged differently for every channel. Got it.
No, because like that's the coolest thing I found out when I initially met you, and then I learned more about Honey was like from the beginning it was very ROI focused, and you know nowadays, you know you see a lot of tech companies where you know they just might be trying to brand as much as possible, and then kind of leave the whole ROI thing to later. But it, now it's you know especially in today's climate, I feel like it's so beneficial that you guys focused on an ROI goal from the beginning. And then grew that company as a tech company so large and eventually, you know, got it acquired by PayPal. So yeah, kudos to you guys in terms of that. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, exactly. Like I'm really glad we built the company off of that performance philosophy. Otherwise we probably wouldn't be in as good of a place today as we are. Um, like we're pretty robust, all things considering. So we feel very lucky. Um, but yeah, that's, that's, I think that's exactly it. I think when Honey was, was first started, um, there was that trend uh, among tech companies and startups of just hyper growth, not so much profitability. Um, but since the very beginning, the co-founders had a very different take on that. They always focused on ROI. And I think that's, that was a really smart move. Yeah. And I think that's a great message for especially today's climate where that, you know, seems like it matters more. Um, but kind of tapping back into my previous question, um, about, uh, you know, um, you guys are, you know, slowly focusing on brand voice more, but historically, you know, very performance driven. Isn't that just, is that difficult though? Like, um, as such a performance driven company, um, you know, when some like, or when someone comes to you and says, okay, like, let's try brand voice, doesn't it kind of, um, make it, uh. Uh, I'm not even sure how to ask this. It's uh, how, how do you gauge what the success of brand voice is? I think if it's a truly, truly brand play and as media buyers, we are pretty sure it won't perform on, you know, let's say a last click basis. Um, I think at that point we have to define a different objective and say, hey, this is a message that we feel really good about that we want to get out there, but we know we might not necessarily see, um, you know, the KPIs that we would usually hold it against. So we would just have to break it out into a separate brand bucket, essentially, in which we don't hold it to the same um, KPI that doesn't have to hit CPA goals or certain revenue goals. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, I mean, I don't want to say it's like a cop out, but it's just like, it's just a different objective. And we just have to separate it out at that point. But yeah, it is tricky because we do have those gray areas in which someone will have an idea that is really great in a vacuum, um, but they want to put it against performance media. And I think that's kind of where, you know, the push and pull that you always see with creative and media departments. Um, so that's, I think, constantly in the works. For sure. And now with, um, not just looking at marketing in general in its current state, like, is there anything you're excited about or you think is interesting for um, opportunities for marketers in, you know, um, the current climate? Yeah, I mean, in terms of just opportunities for channels or? Yeah, yeah, just opportunities for channels or opportunities for growth um for uh, a digital company yeah i mean i think 
you know, obviously everyone's businesses are affected or at a standstill right now. Um, so I think what I've been advising, you know, colleagues or um, um, friends to do is really just take this time to assess your your systems, how you organize everything, like get just get prepped for when everything settles and returns to normal. Because I think in the day-to-day -day, we're running so fast, we're making money, you're acquiring users, um, and, you, and you know there are certain parts of your system that could be optimized or it's broken, but you, you don't care enough because you're just making money and the day-to-day -day is more exciting. I think this is a time where we can kind of slow down and reassess our foundation and um and just optimize that and just be in a better place um for when you know businesses do start running again um and that's what i'm kind of taking this time to do i'm just kind of poking in and everything and seeing where the inefficiencies are um is there a better process or operating model that we can be implementing right now um so that when we're ready to hit the ground running again we can just run faster um but also, um, on the channel side, um, you know, like I said, costs are very efficient right now. So if companies are not in cash hoarding mode and want to take advantage, I think this is really the time to like, dive in. Interesting. Um, what are your thoughts on new channels like TikTok? <laughs> I would really lo love to test new channels like TikTok. I finally, you'd be proud of me, like got yeah. on TikTok since this whole quarantine situation and I'm on it like every night my fiance is like what is what is going on over there in the corner because i'm like in on the corner of the couch like laughing with myself um but yeah i'm just seeing like i you know the usage has gone up i know it's i think it's a great time to be testing into tiktok so um that's my team to look into it yeah no it's um yeah when i started using it and then it's just bad i feel like when you get started and then it's it's, it's a never endless uh um you're stuck in there for a while. Yeah, and it's just research. No, it's great. I, I think those are actually great ad format types. But um, anyways, before I um, start talking too much, uh, I did want to open it up for questions as we're nearing the um, end of our interview um, up to the audience. So if anyone in the um, chat has any questions, uh, feel free to raise your hand and then uh, we'll select on you to ask Alice some questions. And then, yeah, Alice also does a bunch of other things we didn't uh, get to touch on during this interview. So anything in marketing, she's, she's killer at. So feel free to ask her. Um, we're going to call an official CM. I'm going to press allow to talk and you can ask your question. Um, you're good to go, CM. Can you hear us, CM? Okay, I will go to the next person. Um, Jay. Hey, Jay, you're on. Thanks. Hey, Alice. Thank you so much. Um, I just wanted to get kind of your advice. Um, I work in media. I worked in front of the camera, but I also um, working more in marketing and digital marketing and what kind of tips advice or um for a small marketing company because it's really just me and one other person i would say when you're starting out um you want to find your focus and your specialty um like 
because in my experience, I've also taken um, some consulting gigs on the side um, like during before and during and probably after Honey. I'll always kind of um, talk to co-founders and um, people who run businesses and, and give them advice with marketing. I kind of realize like it can go so many different ways. It's difficult to say no when people have so many different needs. It's hard to find your focus. So I think when you're first starting out, you really want to find what is the most you know, time efficient for you and, you know, what, what are you the best at? What can you specialize in? Um, and what can you make that your bread and butter um, in the initial years so that people know to go to you for that specific purpose? Um, and then once you kind of build that foundation and name, you can expand the team and your offerings. But I, I would say really just like finding what you're the best at and making that your sole focus. Okay, thank you. And then what are your thoughts, Alice, in terms of building my portfolio from a creative standpoint, but I also have the business acumen that you have, which is, it seems like you had a surgeon, a combination of both of those, which is, which is why you really flourished at Honey. Like for a small business like mine, um, how do I, what would you suggest in terms of building my portfolio to really perfect that? Or to illustrate that, I mean. Your portfolio in terms of the creative offerings or? Yeah, because it's like I can do marketing because I'm just really good at it. I have a knack, but then there's the creative side of the creative presentation of that, not just the business. Gotcha. Yeah, so that can be kind of tricky, actually, depending on what you're wanting to do, um, because as most of us as marketers might know, a lot of the ads that perform the best aren't necessarily the most flashy or beautiful ads, right? They're very user generated feel, they're very native feeling. Um, so I, I think it depends what kind of clientele you're going for. Um, and if you're really kind of going for that polished, um, elevated brand, then I'm kind of invest more time, um, you know, finding designers or editors that can curate and produce that sort of premium content um, if the clients that you're working with or want to work with um, are interested in more of a brand play. Um, but if you're working with super performance driven, you know, like B2C companies or startups, um, then I would really focus on creating a portfolio that shows them that you understand user psychology and behaviors and the technology on each channel really well um, so that you can speak to it when um, you're presenting your portfolio. Awesome. Thank you, Alice. Thanks. Okay, up next um, is Janet. Janet, you are live. Hi, Alice. Thank you um, for being at the summit. Um, and I actually work with Anish and Thomas on the product management side for the apps that we build. Um, and I was just wondering what your overall approach is for measuring like returns from a campaign. Um, obviously there's like the initial spend and like the immediate monetary returns, but then there's sometimes like things that take time and like the branding effects over time. So I was just wondering what your approach was. Yeah, so high level, I just look at a blended approach. So I'll look at blended CPA um, and overall spend. Um, and then, because I know my media buyers have their day-to-day -day is just really focused on um, tracking CPAs from a last click standpoint, and they're trying to keep 
um, our spend and costs within goal. Um, but we do have a lot of these upper funnel channels, right? Like streaming or um, we're testing the TV um, or audio um, in which you're not going to see that direct return um, so quickly. So I just, I just really look at, at from a blend day-to-day um, -day and by week. Um, but also I know there's a lot of long tail conversions coming down the road when you're investing in upper funnel channels like that. So um, I'll just kind of look at it from a month, month perspective when we have bigger upper funnel campaigns going on at the same time. Awesome. Thank you so much. All right. The final person is going to be CM. She fixed her mic. And CM, you're live. <clears throat> Hello. Can you guys hear me? Yes. Fantastic. So hi, guys. Uh, thank you again for just giving me the opportunity to speak and for being here. The question I had came from the angle of pursuing storytelling in either the most relevant or meaningful ways right now. We've touched a lot about different platforms, and I want to understand a little bit more about your ideology or framework to creating such relevant and meaningful content in today's social media industry or platforms currently. Hmm. Yeah, so for the storytelling aspect, um, I think that is more really on the brand side. Um, mm -hmm. So that's when we kind of have our bigger brand campaigns in which there's a certain message that we're trying to get out there and we'll choose specific channels to um, release um, that brand messaging that that's usually separated out from our performance marketing. Um, and I, I, think it I think it depends on how you want to frame um, your brand's perspective in the long term, right? So like for Honey, for instance, like for the longest time, we were known for just one product, um, mm -hmm. our coupon extension. Um, and we were okay with that because that's what drove performance. Um, but, you know, starting a couple of years ago, we realized like, no, we had, you know, there's a lot of products that we're working on that a lot of people don't know about. And we wanted to kind of rebrand as like a suite of online shopping tools. Um, so, and, and that's still in the works. Like people still don't know us for like the suite of tools, right? Like, um, so I think it's really kind of seeding that into, um, you know, your, your stories and your narrative on the landing pages um, and, and within the product, even if it's not on the ad level, it's just, putting that within deeper within the funnel and deeper within the product so that um, you can be ready to expand on that narrative when you're ready to. Thank you. Okay, guys. Um, so that was Alice Rue, a Senior Director of Marketing at Honey. Alice, thank you so much. If anybody wants to get a hold of you, what's a good way to do that? Um, you can find me on LinkedIn um, and yeah, my email's there. Okay, perfect. Well, once again, Alice, thank you so much for the information today. It was a pleasure having you on the podcast. Thanks for having me, guys. Absolutely. Thanks.